0: Good evening and welcome to our continuing series, Explorations in Sagittary. As always, joined by our brother Alok. Alok, you've chosen a very profound <laughs> uh, topic the Creator and the Creation. Where does one begin? <laughs>
1: We can begin at either end. Yes. <laughs> but there was a reason why this subject came. Actually, I was... Anyways... Uh, thinking, reflecting over this and mm-hmm. I got a mail from Sergey. what are you planning? You have covered almost everything <laughs> except the creator. I said, yes, that's right. That's what I'm thinking, creator and the creation. But uh, more pragmatically, I think... Um, You know, as human beings, uh, one, we need to know who we really are, what is our antecedents, our lineage, our parentage. I think that's a fundamental uh, need for all of us. And depending upon that, our answer to that, uh, a lot of attitudes uh, emerge depending on the answer as to what is the source, who is the creator, is there a creator, for example. Uh, For example, if I take the attitude that there is no creator and it's just an unrolling, mechanical unrolling, then uh, I can take a certain attitude that there is no real meaning or sense in this world uh, from which again two attitudes can stem. One is that there is no real sense and meaning in this world but uh, therefore it has, you know, just quit, you know, I am just dreaming a dream uh, and uh, let's stop the dream. But the problem with that is, who is this I? Is is there a real I or is it just an illusion? That's one of the challenges of Buddhism. And the other is that, uh, well, uh, there is no meaning and purpose. There is no I, there is nothing really beyond this frame in which we are trapped. Uh, even if there are other worlds, they are also just frames which have somehow come into being. So the attitude should be to make the most of life in whatever way you know <laughs> by hook or by crook as they say because it, it it is there is really nothing that could be hedonistic hedonistic they see that's what you see the whole charvak <coughs> line of philosophy in India was born out of that, ah. that this alone is real there is no other real and then there can be many variations of it but I mean from different extremes even Russell spoke of very rational ethics but uh, leaving that aside the thing is that Fundamentally, uh, this whole idea of looking for a meaning, purpose and in a journey, uh, at the end of the day, all this doesn't really make sense. And you may like to be a good human being because it helps the totality and helps you to navigate your life in a better way. But having said that, uh, there is no nothing incumbent upon us to be good because there is really no meaning and no purpose.
0: Hmm. But... The religions have given other ways of escape, if I can use the word. Yes.
1: So then comes the other one that there is a creator, but creator and the creation are forever separated. The two can never meet. Hmm. Which means the attitude we can have towards the source, towards the creator, is one of worship, of obedience to the law, of being afraid of the creator. Sometimes we have painted the creator as somebody who is a harsh and stern judge with a carrot in one hand and a rod in another, whatever that means. And, you know, that's how human beings have related with the creator. And Shubindu speaks of this as a primitive religion. In the beginning, mankind, probably when we are very crude in our uh, vital parts, we, uh, it helps us to think that the creator is someone who actually punishes us. But he is out there, he enjoys some heaven of bliss and at the most that we can do if we are faithful to His commands and commandments that we can also after departure something in us uh, enters into some heaven of um, beatitude where we can dwell with His angels. Where time to time we can have a glimpse of Him. But that's it. Uh, or else if you know in this one carrier of the soul one one life carrier of the soul we have not been able to live up to that for whatever reasons we enter into a state of eternal darkness. So here again t- tremendous fear comes and a lot of you know proselytization uh, emerges from that. Let's convert people and you know people get converted who are so full of fear that I have my chance. So this is one kind of attitude. Then there is a third attitude which we see in Indian thought particularly. That in the deepest essence the creator and the creation are one. Which means that I can, the creation, at some point there is a contact between the two and the creation can discover the creator and even unite with the creator because deep within there is already a union. It's like the wave and the sea. So though the wave looks separate but the wave is always one with the sea, is impelled by the ocean force and has the same essential fundamental constituent and can lapse back into the sea and march forever. Is there any other... Country other than India, who has had this
0: vision, this big, big realization?
1: Question, big question. I, I am not aware of it, but no, am uh, I? Yeah. So, but yes, no. I would stand corrected. And the other day, somebody was, uh, you know, that reminds me of something uh, very deep and intimate. Yesterday, I was having a discussion with someone, and the person says, "Why, why are you so obsessed with India? It's after all a very small country in some obscure corner of the globe." I said, "Yes." Why globe? It's an obscure corner of the, you know, universe. But the problem is that though this is a very small country, it is the heart and the soul of a civilization. (laughs) So, you know what happens? Heart is a small organ. I mean, brain is bigger, liver is much bigger, of course. But (laughs) if the heart collapses, the lungs are much bigger, then the whole system collapses. So, that's the significance of India. So, uh, I am not aware either. At the same time, I must say that all these other approaches which we have just spoken have also existed within India. That's the beauty of it. So while in India there are schools of thought which do believe that there is nothing like a creator or there have been schools of thought where there is a forever separation between the creator Mm -hmm. and the creation, they can at best uh, be companions but not united and at it is extreme end are schools where you can unite with the creator. And Shobindo obviously um, accepts this that yes, in the depth the creator and the creation are one, and there is a possibility of union because from there comes yoga. Otherwise, there is worship. Worship can be a beginning of a yoga, but it ends there. Yes. But when there is a possibility of union, you have yoga. But Shobindo takes this to one step further and he says, Not only deep within us, there is a kind of uh, Possibility of union because there is no separation there. But even creation in its manifested form. All these things that we touch and see and hear and smell. They too are the body of God which is constantly at change in the making. So even the mutable changing ephemeral world are also nothing else but him extending himself. And at least one Upanishad speaks about it that all the four states of consciousness from the depths of sleep to the dream world to the waking world and that which exceeds all these three, they are one single extension, Chatushpad Brahman. So I find it very fascinating. Deep in us. Deep in us. A hidden kinship. Yes. Yes. And a
0: faint voice of ecstasy and prayer. Maybe we can read that. those lucent lost immensities. Let's yes, read yes, that. Yes. Yes.
1: Maybe we'll read a little bit of that and then there's another beautiful passage.
0: Where Shall we begin?
1: Yes, it's there in the very beginning. Yeah. On page 46. The secret knowledge. Yes.
0: <clears throat> Deep in us a forgotten kinship points and a faint voice of ecstasy and prayer calls to those loosened lost immensities even when we fail to look within to look into our souls or lie embedded in earthly consciousness still have we parts that grow towards the light
1: yeah, we can read further, beautiful. Yet are there luminous tracts and heavens serene and eldorados of splendor and ecstasy and temples to the Godhead none can see. A shapeless memory lingers in a still and sometimes when our sight is turned within earth's ignorant veil is lifted from our eyes. Now, in this same canto, you see this aspect about um, the unity of creator and the creation comes in a very powerful way. Yes. <clears throat> Page sixty-four, sixty-five. 65 We will go a step further.
0: Maybe the master of existence.
1: Yeah, even before that. Yes, Yes. page 61. 61. It starts on page 60. Mm -hmm. All here where each thing seems its lonely self are figures of the soul transcendent one you see one of the things that we feel as a need of today is to create a sense of unity a spirit of unity you know it's a deep need uh, everywhere we suffer because of this not only sense of separation from the creator that's a big calling but sense of separation from each other it leads to so many clashes of the ego frictions pain but shuvendu points out that this unity we cannot have so long as we dwell in the sense of separativeness. And the only point where we can discover that all of us in our deepest essence are connected with each other. The deepest kinship is through our uh, the self which is within us. If we can live in that realization or even have a glimpse of that experience that everything here is something of the divine. It changes our life. I mean I have caught myself several times and I am sure you know. All of us uh, at some point would have felt it like this. That if ever I have, you know, or let's say we end up speaking sometimes harsh things about someone, criticizing someone. Of course, in the beginning you don't realize when you are leading a normal life, it's the way of life. But then there comes a time when you think, whom did I really criticize? When I criticize a painting, am I criticizing the painting or am I criticizing the painter? And then there is an auto-correction that, look, you know, what am I doing really? All this is the divine working mm-hmm. in his creation. And all of this is an unfinished product. And just as when we exalt someone, it is not the person, but the beauty of the uh, light of the grace, a gift of grace. Shabindu says that the difference is actually an act of grace. That's it. Nothing else. This union, uh, Yeats has
0: two lines. Uh, Among School Children, the poem, where he says at the end, Oh, body swayed to music, oh, brightening glance, how can we tell the dancer from the dance?
1: Beautiful. That's it. So this has been glimpsed. Yes. Glimpsed time to time that actually it is he who is there. And there is a very beautiful meditation. Very often people ask this, that, you know, Okay, tell us the process of meditation. Nowadays, it's the in thing to have guided meditation and image, imagery and all. That's old stuff, actually. What Sri has done is something very futuristic. So I often suggest that yeah, there is a passage in Sri Isa Vasya Upanishad. In SABCL, I think it was page 475 or something. I don't remember now in the new volume, but somebody can probably find it and tell us. Um, you know, he starts with lift your eyes towards the sun. And he says that look yonder that distant sun and everything and uh, who is there in it? And he says he is the ancient of the ancient. And then he says that come nearer to earth. And the man passing by with crouched and bent, who is he? He Realize that it is him. Uh, That little child who runs past you, who is he? But do you realize it is God who has smiled at you? And then he says, nay he is nearer. He is in you, he is you. The last realization is he is you. Then he says that, you know, once you have this experience, I mean, it's a very powerful passage, uh, you know, our human voice invariably profanes it. But um, he says that once you have that experience, then you cannot be afraid of anything. Fear not, doubt not, tremble not, because in your apparent body dwells the million-bodied one. When you look at life like that, you know, our limitations, this family, my family, that family, it looks like we are talking of some archaic times. And Sri Aurobindo mentions Cromwell in one passage
0: where he says, Cromwell said, there but for the grace of God, go I. And Sri Aurobindo said, almost correct, there by the grace of (laughs) God, go I.
1: This experience is a very, very powerful and really <coughs> changing experience because it shatters you. There is nothing, no no other. There is only I. that one I. Yes, yes. Of course, because we have to engage in world and its activities, it is very difficult to hold this as a concrete realization all the time. But once the doors are open and you can always get back into it, it's something wonderful. It's a life-changing experience. So this truth that Everything is nothing else but an expression of that single reality. Even a moment's glimpse is so profound. So this is the basis for unity. And look further. Only by him they are. His breath is their life. As long as the breath is there, it lifts and breathes. When the breath withdraws, it goes back into him. So death loses its sting the fear and, you know, constantly we run away from it. What is it? It's going back to him, nothing else. It's going to him for rest. Even if, if one doesn't need to be a philosopher or read books, if it is true that everything has emerged from the one and goes back to the one, then there is no sting of death anymore. So here it is, breath is their life. There is a prayer of the mother where he addresses the divine as life of my life light of my intelligence that's all. so once we start looking at things like this it changes us so all this is tremendous practical import and then an unseen presence moulds the oblivious clay the clay doesn't know sometimes it feels the touch too harsh and cries out sometimes in anguish and anger it may say oh thou monster But he doesn't mind because he is only love. So he goes on molding. He goes about his works. That's something very nice about divine. Something we can learn in life. That people may say hundred things. You go about doing what you think is the right thing to do. The best thing to do. (laughs) Because that's how the divine goes about (laughs) He doesn't stop. Oh, you call me this? Okay, fine. That's it. (laughs) Because it's nothing else but himself. So But yeah. later,
0: later in life, I have found, <clears throat> if I want to criticize someone, I see that that problem is in me. That's
1: also true. Absolutely true. <laughs> because uh, So apart, why criticize? apart from the <laughs> fact that we see in others what we carry within ourselves? Yes. Absolutely true. Yes. Uh, apart from that, the fact is that nature is not individual, it is universal. So, we can cut portions from it and identify with it and say, this is me and keep all the rest inside us, hidden. So, it's really meaningless and everything is in the making. The third thing which is a saving grace which Shrobindo brings to us is that everything is in the making. None of us is finished product and the problem is if we present ourselves as finished products. So, sometimes people come to ashram and ask, where are the Siddha yogis? So I tell them if we are all Siddha yogis we would not be here. <laughs> we are all amateur artists trying to figure out and learn God's play. <laughs> because it's a constant change and it keeps you youthful. The moment you, you, feel, the moment you feel your finished product just meant for a showpiece then it's gone. There's no joy in life anymore and then you want to just uh, protect a sham self-creation which is... Uh, not good, you know, show or sham. So we are in the making. What are we in the making? Each of us are God in the making. What are we in our origin? We are God in our origin. We are God in the making. What is it in the middle? Middle also, we are God who is going through these countless experiences in the process of becoming. And it's so beautifully captured in the Life Divine in these three simple words Being is becoming. I remember long back, soon after my medical graduation, somebody gave me this line. So it hit me. I said, my God, uh, this is, what is this to start with? Being is becoming. I said, some abstract word, (laughs) phrase. But slowly it discloses itself so many layers of meaning. Being is becoming. We could equally say becoming in its depth is being. Then we see on, uh, you know, another, uh, next page, uh, this is another thing which Mother says that each of us, each of us are equally portions and children of the Divine Mother. And when the creation is uh, completed, I mean this, whatever she is making, each of us will have a special place and represent one of the aspects, one or the other aspects of the Divine. So we don't realize it. So again it means that there is no... Competition in any kind of life, least of all in spiritual life, sometimes even in spiritual life we enter with the spirit of ambition and competition and we are comparing oh that person how far, how less, that experience, this, no each of us are unique and that is the beauty of it (laughs) because each of us are meant to become something unique. (laughs) the divine does not repeat himself nature does not repeat itself and this is something so marvelous even in its repetitions it doesn't repeat itself no two fingerprints are alike you know which Aadhaar people have discovered and of course the crime investigators it's so unfortunate these profound philosophical truths are discovered in such strange ways that no two fingerprints are alike no two leaves are you know exactly the same even though if you look at it same so when divine loves these variations we must understand that each of us is unique and yet we have behind this diversity a fundamental unity now this comes here his semblances he turns to real shapes and makes the symbol equal with the truth he gives to his timeless thoughts a form in time you know there is a very uh, beautiful um, prayer which uh, many of us have grown up in in Indian tradition where it describes the body of the Lord not his being but the body and in this whole prayer or adoration there is only one word which will keep coming and that is madhuram sweet so you know what is sweet, uh, sweet. it's not just that the Lord's heart is sweet so it says Lord's forehead is sweet Lord's eyes are sweet, uh, Lord's lips are sweet, his gait is sweet, his feet are sweet, you know. Uh, Madhuram, Maduram, Maduram. So you end up realizing that we make these distinctions of high and low. But what is it in this creation that does not partake of his something of his being, his sweetness, his delight? And all these are very sobering experiences. So that's why it's so important to understand. This aspect, he is the substance, he the self of things. This that we often ignore and disdain is nothing else but he, it's he who has created this fallen substance, obscure cloak out of something in himself. She has forced from him her works of skill and might. She wraps him in the magic of her moods. And makes of his myriad truths are countless dreams. And then a few lines below. He is the maker and the world he made. Yes. He is the vision and he is the seer. He is himself the actor and the act. He is himself the knower and the known. He is himself the dreamer and the dream. So again, very often when we talk about spirituality and spiritual life, there is still a misconception. Unfortunately, uh, what has happened to India, that even here we think about immediately meditation. And the mother speaks about it in agenda. She says, oh, they are still the same old-fashioned. The moment we talk about spiritual, they think about meditation." how to meditate. That is the beginning and end of the story. Whereas in true spirituality, you don't have to be taught meditation. You should reach a point where meditation becomes natural. (laughs) Simply because life has become a constant meditation and worship of the eternal. And she has seen that
0: when people come out of meditation, they are the same as they were before they went in. Sometimes worse.
1: (laughs) Sometimes worse. (laughs) worse. (laughs) Because you have disturbed their meditation. You disturbed my sadhana. (laughs) So if sadhana could be disturbed, (coughs) then what is the difference? Uh, You know, that is that should be at least the difference between sadhak and sadhana. There are very funny stories about ashram. There was one person who used to uh, close his eyes and walk through corridors because he didn't want to see and get tempted. So some of our um, now they are all grown up, elderly. Wonderful people, but young girls who were studying in the ashram school, they would suddenly when they would see him stretch their legs. So he would, you know, hit and fall down. And then they would take a good laugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know how people have grown up here is unimaginable. You know, I remember another just as an aside, how everything was turned into an equivalent of delight. So two girls once took a <laughs> <laughs> took a uh, you know waste paper bucket and the teacher used to be too lost and engrossed and he didn't notice that they are coming here and they were just chanting something and went there and just emptied on his head <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> so the teacher gets up and he gave a slap to the boy who was sitting there look at oneness <laughs> So the boy says, what? What have I done? I've done nothing. He says, yes I know, but how can I slap the girls? (laughs) I'm telling you a real story. (laughs) This is a straight kind of oneness. (laughs) I'm angry. I must release my anger. But I can't slap the girls. I know they are the ones. But you are there, I can slap a boy. (laughs) I mean, the person who, has, who had done it has told this to me. And how mother has made people grow in such a way, you know, this idea that, oh, somebody is a yogi, stay at a distance, how she would play and in the process, the whole thing went in such a way that some of these children, they would go and, you know, Bansidharji, had beard. they would use chewing gum and suddenly go and stick it. <laughs> Can you imagine they are like a child playing with it? It's something so beautiful that in everything, it's like instinctively you get this, yes. that sense that there is nothing else but we are playing with the divine. In this was she turned this ashram into a play field of the Lord. Yes. So people often ask that, you know, what do you think? What kind of sadhana? How did... Uh, I, so one of the answers I give is that I don't know what sadhana, mother and Sri did because that is beyond us. But one thing we know that they made us grow... Uh, through playing tennis and you know (laughs) going around by play they made us grow and we see that also in you know the story of krishna playing and making us grow our souls that relation with god that relation with the creator otherwise there's always this awe and fear he's somebody so high above my god and he can punish me he's angry with red eyes and mother has said some of these uh, are not God, they are Asuras. And Shivinder said the same thing. The gods of certain religions are Asuras who have been seated. Magnified image of the human mm-hmm. ego. And mother has even cautioned her disciples, or children, better still. She has said many of you say that you close your eyes and you find me. Actually, it's not me. You have created a magnified image of your own ego. And you have given my name to that image. And you say that you have found me inside. How careful. You know, some time back I was discussing with someone. People have erected image of her as a very strict, authoritarian, disciplinarian. And she has said, you know, people will quote me and say, Mother has said this, Mother has said that, adding one more stupidity to another. And even if she has said, what do we understand of that illimitable vastness? You know, who I think in Rishi poem we were reading the other day, Mm. who laughs at sin, (laughs) who laughs. laughs. That is that consciousness. So, I mean, for him everything is nothing else but himself and we can enter that state. There are two who are one and play in many worlds, in knowledge and ignorance they have spoken and met. So this ignorance is also, it's a... You know, it's also a play field. It's necessary to go through this schooling in ignorance and then graduate, then you are admitted to the schooling in knowledge. (laughs) It's not that you have to escape from here. If you go through this in the best possible way with the right attitude, you automatically are sent there. The grace is there. We don't have to do something special or be afraid. Look how beautiful. And light and darkness are their eyes interchange. Our pleasure and pain are their wrestle and embrace. Our deeds, our hopes are intimate to their tale. They are married secretly in our thought and life. How powerful this is, you know.
0: And these next four lines I'd love to read.
1: Yes, sure, please. The universe is
0: an endless masquerade, for nothing here is utterly what it seems. It is a dream fact vision of a truth which but for the dream would
1: not be wholly true. Beautiful. For the dream is the that which is within him is expressing itself through the dream. So the totality of the divine comes with creation. Those who escape from creation into the creator they don't discover the totality of the divine. And but if you go through it and discover that the two are one in their essence and in the manifestation, there is a prayer of the mother like that. Thou, thou alone, thou in the essence and thou in the manifestation. Then we discover the totality of God. So there is another passage which I you know, just wish to touch upon and maybe we can take it later. It comes on page 6, uh, think 656. One of my favorites, I must be having a mark here. Oh, yeah, yeah there it is. So this is where Savitri is revealing to death what really is God. Ah, yes. So it's very amazing. <coughs> Beginning without death or? or all contraries, that would be. Even death, she says, that even you are God. Yet not He. It's very powerful. Yes. But we can start from here. All contraries are aspects of God's face. So. But we have a tendency to create uniformity. We are afraid of contraries. But contraries are complementarities. They are our own lost forgotten selves. The many. And every time we meet it, it's a challenge because we have to integrate, you know, when we meet people who are dissonant with our own th- thoughts and understanding. So there is a natural tendency to either criticize or shun them. But actually, if we really see what, what impressions they evoke within us, then we will see that basically these impressions that they evoke within us, they bring to us a portion of ourselves. Which the person has come objectivized, which we were saying sometime Mm -hmm. back that what is within us we see in others. And then you have a chance of integrating this part, conquering it for the sake of the divine by an inner process and offering it to the Lord within all. And by doing it, you reclaim something which was hidden somewhere deep within us. So, people who come into our lives, whom we love and we hate, basically it's one movement. Because there is no other, and we can integrate it. It's a very uh, profound psychology. All contraries prepared. Ha, that's it. That's the final word. So here it is. All contraries are aspects of God's face, which includes. Uh, I think the other day we were having a discussion. The asura, the asura. Shivendra says in the original thought of the Vedas. Asura is not a bad guy, (laughs) it is in the Puranas. (laughs) He is the one who represents the force side of the Supreme. Later on, of course, there is a separation and with separation, all the muddle starts. But in its origin, even this guy represents the force aspect of the Divine, just as the gods represent the light aspect of the Divine. And that is why in the Durga prayer, famous Shubindu speaks of that. Give me the strength and industry of the Asura, the character and intelligence of the gods. So even that, the many are the innumerable one. The one carries the multitude in his breast. So this one part then says, he is the impersonal, inscrutable soul, he is the one infinite person seeing his world. The silence bears the eternal's great dumb seal. His light inspires the eternal word. He is the immobile's deep and deathless hush, its white and signless blank negating calm. Yet stands the Creator Self the almighty lord you see this uh, either or tendency is born of the mind and it has many practical aspects to it like in olden time there used to be the uh, division between those who are engaged with work and those who are engaged with uh, meditation mm. in search of knowledge and uh, there was a tendency to declare oh that person is still in works at the end you have to drop off the works and engage only in meditation Obviously, it was an illusion and the Gita clarifies it. The modern version is silence and speech. And someone had the audacity to write to Sri And uh, he said, you know, Sri Ramakrishna has said that if you, the more silent, the more you discover, you know, when the pot is empty, then when you put water, it makes sound. But when it is full, it no more makes sound. So how Shrivindo corrects the imbalance? You know, it's in a certain context. It's not about it. Shrivindo. <laughs> in fact, corrects it by saying yes. But even after that, Sri Ramakrishna went around speaking <laughs> is such good to others. And then he says, "I myself wrote volumes after my mind was stilled." He gave his own example. So, speech is born out of that stillness. And when we discover that stillness within, then the two become a single continuity. They are a single unity. But when you divorce either from the other, then you have not realized the unity. So the same thing, creator and the creation, you can... And Mother puts so much emphasis on work. Yes. Work is the
0: body's best prayer to the divine.
1: So everything should be a single movement. Whether in silence or in speech, we should serve and worship her. Yes. There is a poem also of Sri The word in the silence where he speaks of this unity. And then a few lines below. These wide divine extremes, these inverse powers, are the right and left side of the body of God. Now we know where the left wing and right wing are born from. <laughs> and they fight with each other analytical thought and the holistic consciousness but they are the left side and the right side of the body of God he loves when the materialist denies him and challenges him and he says come your way I will receive you in the vast bosom of any he loves when the believer worships him and says I, he says fine come this way and I will receive you in my delightful embrace. Either which way you will come to me. The left side and the right side of the body of God. Wide divine extremes. Existence balanced. twixt two mighty arms. Confronts the mind with unsolved abysms of thought. Darkness below. A fathomless light above. In light are joined but sundered by severing mind, stand face to face, opposite, inseparable. So, mother says that that there is in in the ultimate reality, good and evil are united. So, the disciple is quite confused. What does it mean? So, later on, she added a correction to it, which you will see in the collected works, there is a footnote. Uh, I am not sure. It must be there in the agenda also, I am sure. But I am speaking of notes on the way. So she says, uh, even evil goes back ultimately to its origin. Where else you will go? You will go there. And says, but there it changes itself even as good changes itself. So good changes into something else which is a divine quality and evil changes into something else which is again a divine vibration from which it Came and separated itself, got lost, and uh, became a source of much confusion. But the beauty is divine, divine uses all these things. There's a very beautiful um, conversation of the mother, and the disciple asks her, Supreme asks her, so much confusion, so much confusion, and she says, My child, the confusion is there to teach us. He uses everything, and we see this here. Two contraries needed for his great world task we have this story in India of samudra the churning of the ocean so the gods on one side and the asuras on the other side both must come together for the nectar to emerge two contraries two poles whose currents wake the immense world force this also we have in the Vedas an image that how do you light the fire So, one of the rishis says, very interesting, technically, he says, you take a particular wood, hold one below like this and the other on top and when you rub it against each other, then the fire is lit. It's very interesting. This below is the lower hemisphere and the lower current of life and the above is the higher hemisphere. When the two come together and rub, that's when the fire is lit. So, you know, two currents and... Two poles whose currents wake the immense world force in the stupendous secrecy of his self above the world brooding with equal wings. He is both in one, beginningless without end. Transcending both, he enters the absolute. I think we can... Pause here, because it's a long passage and a wonderful passage where many, many yes. aspects will come and emerge. If there are any questions... Yes, of course we can take that. And we'll end with some silence. It's a wonderful meditation, meditation on the one.